So wow. we, we built it out for iOS, Androids, moving can, a little can, slow. Can, I'm assuming you know we're not ready to talk about this on a podcast yet. Yeah, we we uh, we did the Kickstarter. Okay. And it's out there. Great. So then. And so yeah, I can talk. I can talk completely. Talk. I would like to ask a little bit about the sort of the MoviePass story, yeah. right? Because I feel like that's something that that people. Like you're so known for that, you know, and I feel like getting like in the producing innovation yeah. idea, it's like the fucking trial. As a lot of yeah. the podcasts have been the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur, and like you, we were both. But your story, we're like in the fucking war of it for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So, I think our audience would love to hear that, okay. and then to go into this would just be like, sure, like, sure. okay. Yeah. I'm Michael Counts, and this is Producing Innovation, and we're here today with uh, an old and dear friend of mine, Stacy Spikes. You'll probably know him more f- more for his role as the founder of MoviePass, um, that had a meteoric rise in 2017 and 18. I've known Stacy for 17 years. Um, we used to support. We were both five years old. We were, yeah, we were, we met in uh, utero, um, but seriously, Stacy. Stacy is an entrepreneur of, of the highest order, someone who, when I was developing the ride over years, he was him and Derek C. in France, the director. Derek took 12 years to get Blue Valentine, his first big, um, super blow-up you know, feature film that made him famous, and, and Stacy getting MoviePass off the ground were the two, two people that I went to the most who I felt like truly understood Persistence truly understood what it, sometimes it takes to get an idea off the ground, and I always laughed when people would would talk about Movie Pass like it was this brand new thing. Like, yeah, it's brand new. It just started. I'm like, you don't know, fuck all. <laughs> My friend Stacy's been fighting this fight for ten years. So anyway, we're here today with Stacy Spikes. How do you produce innovation? How do you produce anything? It's always been about reinventing a form. I think we're all in this room together because we believe in lifelong learning. It's all about persistence. If you give up, that's the end of the game. You have no chance. I wanted to go make my own mistakes in pursuit of, I didn't even know what at the time. Show up, show up when you fail. Show up when you fail miserably. Show up when you don't want to show up. There's an audacity that I think is required to, to be a creator. Just start, like don't wait for permission. Sit down at the table with some of the great creators, some of the people who have cut new ground and found a new path and done things that are like improbable and ludicrous and wonderful and for which we should all be grateful in the worlds of art and theater and music and technology and innovation. This is producing You're listening to producing innovation. Most of you will know Stacy because of Movie Pass, but I've uh, Stacy has an, uh, a, a history that goes back even further as a as a marketing executive in the music business, then at Miramax, then the founder of Urban World Film Festival, yeah. and then ultimately Movie Pass. Um, so, Stacy, before before we get into the particulars, because what you just shared with us about what you're doing now, like. I'm still like just climbing off the floor because it is just incredible. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to just, for the benefit of our listeners, hear a bit of your story. And, and, and if there's one thing to get into in particular, I think 
I think people would really appreciate hearing from your perspective the journey that you went through with MoviePass because yeah. this podcast, as you know, is called Producing Innovation and you're an innovator of the highest order and sometimes innovation is a long fight. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And I mean, sometimes it's actually both, right? Yeah. But I think your story with MoviePass is such a great tale of, of, of entrepreneurship and um and i just love to just give you the floor and just tell us wow. tell us about the journey man that's a great opening uh thank you michael um good to see you uh so as you said i started out in the entertainment space i was on the music side kind of cut my chops and then i went over to miramax and being a person of color which both in tech and in the movie industry at the time, there's just not a lot of us. And um, so I wanted to start a film festival that I thought was either the, call it the Urban Can or Sundance, because I thought there was a lot of work that wasn't getting seen. And um, back then, the Vibe magazine was really big and they had the Vibe music seminar. And I went to Vibe and I said, hey, what do you think of a film festival for blacks and Latinos and they we love it great idea and um, the first festival we did one movie in their music festival and it was uh, Queen Latifah's film set it off and it's kind of this uh, gangster drama and it's it's incredible movie if you haven't seen it and the first screening you know the talent came and we were a fire hazard there was you couldn't walk anywhere on the floor that people weren't sitting and there's that last scene where queen latifah surrounded helicopters and she decides i'm i'm going out in a blaze of glory and the crowd went crazy and before the screening was over uh keith and lynn said oh we're doing this next year we're doing it bigger and that became the birth of Urban World. And I think to this day, it's still the, um, it still premiered more number one films than any North American festival, including Tribeca and Sundance. And what happened was we catered to a certain demo where festivals are location-based, so you'll go away to these destinations. Um, they're often underwritten by tourism and, and, and the tourism boards. With us, it was about people. And so the Post called us the People's Festival. And so you knew when you looked at our lines of people wrapped around the block, you saw real people. You, you No offense to any other festivals, they're very elitist in their own way. They're designed for a certain group of people. And um, and you got to have the money to go to Cannes. You have to have the money to go up to Sundance and take off, you know, that period of time or you're a filmmaker. But with us, it was like people came from, people would drive up from D.C. or they would come in from Brooklyn or they'd come in from the Bronx and the trains. And so anyway, Urban World, we premiered Original Kings of Comedy, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, uh, Collateral with Tom Cruise, uh, um, The Best Man. And so constantly our premieres were opening number one, number two, top five at the box office. And um, our first year was Soul Food, and that set us on the map. So 
when in 2004 when we took over MTV for a whole week and it culminated in the premiere of Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx and Jada Pinkett Smith on MTV and here's Tom Cruise on the red carpet, I'm sitting behind him in the premiere. I was like, I can't do anything bigger than that with this. And it was, okay, now what, right? There was no, there was nowhere else to go with this. We can rinse and repeat, but you can't, can't break that. So it was, the original thought was, was there a way to take all these people who are passionate about these movies that are never going to see the light of day, but they're great. They're going to get some really bad direct-to-video deal or whatever, but people love these films. What if we took all these people, said, each give us 30 bucks a month, and what we'll do is we'll pick 12 of them and we'll put them on a circuit based on where our subscribers were. That was the original idea that later became MoviePass. So... MoviePass was more about figuring out what was the technology we would need to make that process easy. And on the way, somebody said, well, why don't you do that for the whole movie industry? And it was, uh, it was Travis Reed, who was CEO at the time of Lowe's, at Lowe's and AMC merged. And tra we were eating, eating dinner, and Travis said, but, but the whole industry could use that, you know? He says, think about if that if everybody just subscribed and they went as often as they wanted to go, it'd be a better business. And that that thought became and so you talk about the journey. In two thousand five I started walking around with my deck and people were like, Get out of here with that. And he, here's the thing that's crazy. There was still Blackberries, the iPhone hadn't been made yet, mm -hmm. and I kept saying People are going to buy their tickets and make their selection all off the phone. We've just installed kiosks in every theater, and IMAX is the future, and 3D, and Real D, and, and they weren't wrong, but what I was trying to explain to them, I said, okay, you see way over there on the horizon, there's a thing called Netflix. There's a thing called Spotify. There's a thing called Pandora. There's a thing called Hulu. And all these young people are entering wall gardens with unlimited access for a monthly fee way over there. That wave is coming. All I'm saying is we should be on that. It wasn't, it was common sense to me. It's like, at least, look, you have an 80-year-old business model that's called pay-per-view. You haven't done, you can change all the stuff you want on the screen, but you haven't changed the relationship with the consumer and the digital relationship was changing. And subscription was the way, right? A business that has a monthly reoccurring revenue that does not on Friday go, oh, I hope they come, right? It's a, it's a more secure business, Absolutely. right? So it just seemed like common sense to me. So I was going around everyone, no, get out of here with that. That's crazy. And um, it took five years to get our first investment, five years. And um, everyone saying no. And in, in uh, 2011, 
uh, we got a yes. And in 2012, AOL and, and um, True Ventures invested and we built the prototype. And as the story goes, the first version of it, um, we literally, we built, so there was two ticketing companies. There's Fandango and MovieTickets.com. And we built it through MovieTickets.com and somehow they didn't talk to AMC, which was one of their big shareholders. And so on Thursday we launched and on Friday we got shut down. Like we built and we were, we opened and closed like the same day and we were done. There was no, there was no, the investors were like, okay, there's only two ways to get in. Fandango's not playing with you. Movie tickets just shut you down. You can't get in. It's over. You're done. We had 90 days worth of cash left. And after I got out of the bed, because <laughs> my dreams just ended after five and a half, six years, and we built it, and we had a premiere with Transformers, and I was like, really? Really? So I sat in front of this whiteboard, and I did three circles. I did customer, I did movie theater, and in the middle, almost like Mickey Mouse's nose, I had credit card. I knew every person had a credit card, every theater had an entry with the credit card, but I couldn't go through these online vehicles. But the theaters, if I needed to ask them, could you honor MoviePass? They were all gonna tell me no. So if you ever want a really great trade show, you should go to the prepaid expo. I remember when you came back from that, man, and you're like, I got it. <laughs> Went to the prepaid expo, and I had five questions on a sheet of paper. Can I load in real time? Can I geolocate them? Can I sweep the funds off the card? Can I restrict so that person didn't say, I want to go do this, but go to the grocery store? And can I... Um, lock it to an individual so no one could share it. Those are the five questions. And we walked the trade floor of the prepaid expo. No, 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 you cannot. No, it doesn't exist. No, that's not possible. No. And I get a tap on the shoulder after I'm rounding the bases. Of the, the next few options are the exit. Because I've gone, I've, it's like a big circle and I've rounded the whole thing. And this guy, Mark Tepper, Mark taps me on the shoulder and he was from Chicago. Mark goes, hey, I'm Mark Tepper. I, I heard, I heard your questions. Can I look at that sheet of paper? <laughs> and I said, sure. He goes, uh, would you be willing to meet me and my colleague in the lobby in about 30 minutes? I think we could help you. I said, who is this joker? And so Mark meets with his right hand, um, and she's sitting there. Mark has a piece of paper, and he goes, okay, number one. And he repeats back, you know, what we want to do. Can they do that? She goes, they'd have to build it. Number two, geolocation. Can they do that? They'd have to build it. So she basically said it doesn't exist, they'd have to build it. 
they were the the uh, credit card provider for move uh, for Fa uh, Fandango, and he said, "If you can build those things, I think we could run it." And so the way the credit card companies work, you have the card company, which is almost like a bank, but then you have these middle providers that are the people you have to go through. And they're, they're almost like a, they vouch for you because no one goes direct into the bank, right? So you need a provider who you go through. And so... Uh, if you don't have a provider, you, you can't get the contract. Cause you, you contract into them, they contract with MasterCard. They don't, MasterCard doesn't touch you. You have to honor their rules, and they're the gatekeepers of, of that. And um, so we had 90 days, and I went back to the office, and I go, guys, okay, here's what we have to build. And I literally told them, here's the process. We're going to give a person a, a card with no money on it. They walk into the theater. We have to geolocate and confirm they're there. We will load funds to that card. They will buy a ticket. If they don't in 15 minutes, we will sweep the funds back off the card. And we will lock it down that they could only buy a ticket at that theater. They won't be able to spend it online, nothing else. They all looked at me like I had eight heads. And they said, first off, we don't even have geolocation on the theaters. So one of the things we had to do was we had to take all 4,000 locations. Now, this is a small detail, but a big detail. If you go to a mall and the mall's address is one, two, three, highway, four, five, six. What it is is the property line out at the edge of the highway, or it's buried inside the mall. We had to take, so when you geolocate and say, show me Regal, whatever, we had to take the pin and move it to the front door so that when we geolocated you, it was based on this, not based on the property address. And because when you get to, when you pull up in your GPS, it says you have arrived, even though it's two or 300 yards away, you can see it, it says you have arrived, but it's giving you that address from the, from. so it's a small thing, but we needed to geolocate you within 100 yards. Therefore, we had to move the pin and relocate every theater in America. And so there's all this stuff. So what we did was in under 90 days, we really actually built an OTT fintech company. So it took four squares thinking like I'm four square, go check into this location. But made a financial transaction happen when you said, I'm here, and we confirmed that. And it loaded a instrument. That's what didn't exist. And there, the, before what we did was there was this thing called batch loading, which the cards were loaded at 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. And you didn't have real-time loading. So we used to sit there, and like if this was a terminal, we would go and take the card, 
I'm going to buy this ticket, swipe, it would decline. Then I'd go, boop, I'm here, swipe, and it would, it would work. And it had to work in milliseconds. And then we would do it where we would time it. We would say, okay, I'm here, wait for 15 minutes. And we literally go 14, 15th minute, it should, it should fail, it should decline, because now we've sweeped the money back yeah. off. So we're doing all of this stuff, and then um, I go to my biggest investor at True Ventures, and I flew there, and I met him on Sunday in the office in the rain. I said, John, I figured it out, and I showed him, and he was like, wow, okay, we'll put in another $2 million. If, if that guy said no, I didn't have another week's left of money. That was it. There was no more. If he told me no, because AOL Ventures had kind of closed their doors, mm -hmm. they, they were no longer going to uh, put money into anything. They were kind of closing that down. I had to go to my existing, and, and if he told me no, I don't know what we would have done. He said yes. And that... That is movie pass as we knew it today. And then the grind was we shifted gears from the tech to the acquisition of consumers and kind of the getting the industry to believe. And then so that was another, you know, that was 2012. So you got another four years of crawling on your belly. Like... You know, and and it was no, 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 no. You have you have you had the incumbent. You, the theaters were like, we're not going to let you in here. You know, you didn't ask us. Yes, I did. I came to you in two thousand five. I came to you for five years. You told me no. That's different than I didn't ask you. And um, and I kept trying to say. The, the wave, the subscription wave is coming. How consumers engage is changing. <clears throat> and um, so the rest is kind of history. And then we, we ended up raising over $100 million, catapulted it to the zeitgeist. And then we exited. And then the new geniuses who kind of took over made a bit of a mess but um but yeah that's that's the folklore wow <laughs> that is an incredible journey and an incredible story and i remember moments along the way and thinking as an outsider to that like how do you keep going why do you keep going and i know that people ask that of me when i was when it took me nine years to get the ride from idea to launched in 2010 like in terms of like, you know, we ask a lot of questions about how, how does innovation happen? How do breakthroughs happen? How do new ideas, new technologies, new services, new approaches to anything happen? And, and I think, you know, in one of the first episodes, we really dug into the, the persistence. It's like, you know, so that great Russell Simmons thing. So the mistake most entrepreneurs make is they just give up too soon. And, but like... Was it? Did you just see it so clearly that 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 you had an uh, a, 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 
unshakable belief that 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 wave was coming because obviously you were proven right but like in the face of so many people saying like no that's not the way we do the industry no we haven't done it for 80 years no netflix is never going to come you know to visit the traditional movie theater business like what enabled you to keep going would you say i think i think one of the things is how people you ever travel and you go to a different country and you say why did they do that that way don't they know they could just do this? And there's these moments that the universe opens up and you see something like the first car that someone said, you know, a person's grabbing a cloth and wiping the window while they're driving with their hand and, a, and, and, and in the rain and then rolling the window back up and someone's saying, why don't we have something that just does that, right? So it's kind of like you, you, you get this glimpse into an easier, simpler way, and it just makes sense. And um, do you remember, I'm going to embarrass Michael for a second. Do you remember when you had the idea about the yellow arrows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now... When we now do search, what you were seeing was what today's map search does. Mm -hmm. yeah. You could see that. The first time you were talking, he, he described there would be these yellow arrows on the ground, and when you got to a certain point, you would punch in that number because the, the web technology hadn't gotten there yet, and the yellow arrow would give you all this information about the, the restaurant or the store. Where he was in that thought process was prior to um, the, uh, the, 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 the um, QR codes mm -hmm. or uh, all of the stuff. But his thought was... Prior to smartphones. I mean, Google, Google this is still Blackberry. Keyhole right. to, to do the mapping. Right. So his thought was clear. It was... I need information about this, not only when I get there, but when I am there. And I remember him talking about that. And so it's like that. There's, there's things that are very obvious, mm -hmm. but getting it there is, is the part that there, there is a person who becomes obsessed with you know, think about the leap of people going down to Wall Street and physically handing off a chicken or a, or a cow or a, a something. And then the idea of creating a ledger that then you don't have to do all of that and creating currency and currency becoming digital, right? It's like, it's just somebody goes... Why are we still doing that when we could do this? Yeah. And that person is seen as a lunatic at that point. Yeah, and and a visionary. I mean, that's they're that's... not visionary until after. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lunatic first. <laughs> You're dumb, stupid, and crazy. Yeah. Then you're a visionary 10 years after, right? Yeah. How many people were like, oh my God, there's this thing, movie pass, yeah. right? Well, they're 10 years late. late. Yeah. I, you walk into rooms, you were a lunatic. You were like, first off, 
They're not going to buy tickets through their phone. They're going to use a kiosk. No, no, no. They're going to do everything with this phone. I remember when people said, you're never going to listen to music on your phone when you have a Walkman. Why would you ever put those things together? They'll never even be the memory space for you to do that. Yeah. How are you going to put CDs? And they started playing around with where Sony started playing around with those MP3 quarters, the, er, the recorders, the early ones where they were putting in those 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 discs. Mm -hmm. And you slide the disc and you were recording the disc. And people are like, this is never going to happen. And then Steve Jobs gets up and goes, it's a phone. It's a music player. It's a web browser. Yeah. It's a phone. It's a music. Are you getting it? It's a phone. And then the people, ah, right? But he was a lunatic. Yeah. Hey guys, just taking a break from the episode to let you know that next week, I'm sitting down with Jonathan Schnapp of the Royal Palm Shuffleboard Club and Michael Solomon of Brick Wall Management to talk about August Moon and our plans to get it open by next summer and financed by the end of the year. Check it out. So one of the things that that I always loved about MoviePass and our conversations about it, because I, I had this sort of behind-the-scenes glimpse that I always appreciated, is you, you, you were ultimately saying that, that eventually the business model was really about attention and in a, in, a, in a precursor way to what you're doing now, but it was the marketing. It was that the movies spend hundreds of millions of dollars to market a movie, but if you had this membership model and you had people on their phone looking, going to MoviePass to explore that, you could, you could make or break uh, someone's opening weekend, which is the whole game for a movie release, right, um, by how you position them relative to other movies, you'd have a lot of power. And I know that the guys who took over at the end ran it up, ran it down, but that insight, from what I understand, has led you to your next thing. And 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 be forewarned, people. Like if you're not if you're not seated, sit down, because when Stacy when Stacy showed me about half an hour ago the prototype, the working app for what he's now doing, I like fell on the floor, and it took me five minutes to get up. It is the next fucking level of where things are going. Um, and and remember, you heard it here first on producing innovation. But Stacy, let's talk about that, man. Talk about attention as currency. Talk about the the technology that you've pioneered and where things are heading. So, leaving from the movie pass example, what we realized was a very you, you know the difference between if you're running and you get a little tiny pebble in your shoe, that how uncomfortable it is. What we found was making a decision about whether or not I want to spend $15 on this movie is a pain point. Putting it into a subscription, the person said, I already paid for it. I might as well take the risk. So that two hours became, it, it, it was not only an investment of time and money, it was just an investment of time. We took away the need to make a decision whether I should spend money. That little thing is why subscription is so powerful, because they've already committed, right? They paid, they paid top of the month. It, they lose if they don't use, right? So it incentivized behavior, and what we found was it created a lift of 100% if a person was incentivized. So with pre-show, with the new company, 
there were three things that we noticed. One, product placement universe is 11 billion a year, and the two oldest media businesses, radio and television, have largely always been free based on advertising. Nothing new here. What has happened in the digital age is you can't, if you can't measure things, you have a problem, right? So they're able to measure things better. Still didn't mean fully that they're watching. You just knew that Michael's search history for camping gear says we should put a camping gear ad in front of him, right? So the camping gear company goes, great, search has led us down a closer path. And what we said was, the more time you spend with the brand, the more likely you are to give your money to that brand. And if the brand can meet a brand ethos that you already believe in, I run, I need running shoes, I need running clothes, I need to feed my body, I need to you know, do whatever, transportation, um, you're gonna pick a brand to work with. And as brands compete, they need your time, okay? If not, you're gonna stick, unless that other brand that you're already with is not going, unless it doesn't fail or blow up, you're gonna keep using the same thing you use. And they're gonna give you incentives to stay. <clears throat> so how do we help brands? And in the, so the, that, that's the first thing. The, the size of the market for the underwriting from the history of soap operas to the history of television to the history of the early radio which was brought to you by the Texaco News Hour and all of this other stuff all of your entertainment was sponsored why because it built that relationship that's old we're bringing that back second thing was they spend 11 billion dollars a year in movies and television well that's enough to let everybody go for free whoa that's a big incentive Third is the holy grail is human attention. And so we figured out how to take non-recording facial recognition and to basically let your device let you watch ads to accumulate currency that you can then monetize for a ticket or an Uber ride or for whatever you want. And so we built that out. We're starting to test it. I think through the end of the year, we'll test in our beta environment. And probably the first quarter or by the second quarter, we will start to roll this out into the marketplace. And what we're focused on is low cost transactions. So imagine right now, even if you look at New York Times online, or Wall Street Journal or whatever paper you look at, they're constantly throwing ads into your activity. What we're saying is let's separate that from the consumption so that that, that ad universe can be done at its own time and its own leisure. Because I really am not paying attention to that New York Times ad because you're putting it in front of me, I'm you're just causing me to- It's an interruption. It's an interruption. Yeah. What we're saying is, you pick the brands you want to spend time with. Take the incentivization 
you're spending money with them anyway. It's almost a hybrid between a loyalty program and a, um, a rewards program that is incentivizing you to not only stay with them or try them and you use that as a currency and what what I believe is I always say what activity do you own you know if you own an, a behavior right if I name a brand I can tell you what the activity is if I say Crest toothpaste activity is brushing. If I say Nike, the activity is running. If I say Uber, the activity is going from one place to the other. If a brand owns an activity in your life, that's power. Mm -hmm. And so what if a brand owned your attention and the power to monetize that? And that's what pre-show ultimately is, in my opinion. Wow, it's, it's, it's an insight that is that is so disruptive and so transformative. Um, I, I can't even think of a comparable that's on the scale of what you're proposing and having, you know, for the benefit of the the viewers, just trust me on this because you can't sample it. Like I, I I experienced this app and the ease, the the elegance of it, the simplicity of it, the desire to watch content that I'm watching anyway. And to then at the end of a, of a, of, of a basically watching the pre-show of a, of, a, of a movie, which everyone, I always like to get there and watch the pre-show and see the, the trailers and everything. And then at the end of that, you've essentially, the model is you've earned enough to go and get the movie ticket for free and see the movie for free. Like, if you can pull that off, that is going to completely transform the the movie business but i think the idea there is is to as you said when we were first chatting about it like to to monetize human attention right. which is which is a, a very clean transaction of like i'll check out the stuff you want to show me if it's curated right and if it really addresses my desires and needs right. yeah i'll give you my attention and get in return something that i want like that is that is incredible yeah. um and that you know, just for the sake of this, like, like, this is a uh, this is a critical moment in the history of like our whole podcast of, because it's like I feel like what we're discussing here is how you've elegantly pulled from you know one business model and one technology and threaded them together into a new concept. To me, that is the very definition of innovation. Yeah, and that is how new business models emerge yeah. when you know new combinations of old things. Right, that's the that's great right. the great thing that Einstein said. There are no new things, yeah. just new combinations of old things. Right. And and boy, have you done that and. Man, I can't wait to see this this go live. Um, yeah. Where where is it? So if someone wanted to check out the video, um, so there's a if you search there's a Kickstarter video that explains about it, um, and then probably in the next week or two we'll have it up on preshow.co or preshow.io, one of those, um, and you'll be able to see it there as well. Wow. Yeah. Um. Such a pleasure to be with you, Stacey. It's your, your journey and uh, has run parallel to mine in, in a way that very few people yeah. have. And I've always viewed you as just a great friend and a great resource and a huge inspiration. And today you just like blew my mind and made me like want to think bigger than I do, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so thanks for joining us today on Producing Innovation Man. It's just a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for listening, guys. And as we wrap up this second-to-last episode of this of season one, uh, I wanted to thank everyone who's helped us become uh, rated as one of the top 30 innovation podcasts on the web and ask you to check out our final episode next week where we sit down with Jonathan Schnapp of the Royal Palm Shuffleboard Club and Michael Solomon of Brickwall Management to talk about a project that is super near and dear to my heart, the August Moon Drive-In, and our plans and progress to opening next summer 2020 in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee.